Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many are blessed this morning? Let me hear you say amen. I see y'all were feeling that part when I was in trouble. <laughs> I guess somebody's been in some trouble before, isn't it? And if you're honest enough to admit it, uh, some trouble you put yourself in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he still lifted you. Amen. <laughs> Let's give the Lord a praise in the music. Fred Bozeman and Linda Bozeman. I want to invite you wonderful individuals to go and sit right over there in the youth section of our church at this time. I mean, you've been comfortable sitting there for as long as I can remember. I remember I was dating Shanae, and I remember you guys sitting right in that section. The Lord has told me he's doing a new thing. From now on, you will sit over here. How y'all doing? Now, I was going to make y'all come down here, but I'm being nice. So I'm, I'm and, and listen, I don't have any doubt. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I just feel like y'all need some company. That's it. You feel me, Derek? Derek, you feel me. You just need a little company. Sean, you feel me. Y'all just need a little company. That's it. Uh-huh. Unique. Unique. How you doing, baby? Just need a little company. Nautica, Naima, Monique, all of them. Ah, yes. Just hoping I'm not going to call your name. Yes. Now, Fred and Linda, y'all don't have to split up. Sit together. Sit together. Are you trying to spread it, spread yourselves around? I just don't want you to come to me later and say, hey, listen, I want to sit next to my wife. This is your permanent position now. Right over there. It, listen, let's take a vote. Either we can bring y'all down here or we could just have uh, Linda and Fred to sit up there. You tell me. I'm not sure. All right. Well, well, we'll work on that for now. But I'm feeling like this middle section is perfect for that generation. Perfect. Are y'all mad now? Y'all mad at me now? Y'all don't love me no more? I don't care. <laughs> Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, we ain't up in here to play no games. <laughs> I hope everybody gets the word. Now, uh, I, if I had more Lindas and Freds, I'd put them in every section of this church because it's not just the young people that, don't, that sometimes uh, clock out during the worship service. Yeah. That's why I'm going to invite you to stand right now because some of y'all sleep every Sabbath. Sleep. And don't tell me you're tired. Don't tell me the service is just too long. Because there's not a soul in here who does not watch television. I don't watch a lot. You watch the news. You watch something. You know, even if it's religious broadcasting, you watch something. And I just think it's a disservice to God. To come in here and sleep on, you ain't sleeping on me, you're sleeping on him. And I'm not insulted by it, but I just, I mean, come on now. When folk have prayed that God would move in this service and that people would get saved and marriages would get healed. It just is kind of, it's so anticlimactic. And you come in and you see folk, you know, barely struggling, trying to stay awake. I will call you out. I have been very kind as of late, but I won't, call, I won't embarrass you. What I'll do is just walk beside you while I'm preaching. 
and talk very loud. Very loud. I know I'm not a monotone speaker. That I know. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, tell me. And I've been preaching shorter, too. I've been looking at the transcripts. I went from an hour to 40 to 30 minutes was the last message I preached. So don't even sit there. I preached too long. I may preach an hour today. But you need to pay attention to what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. The other thing I want to tell you is we are praying. Uh, I can't wait till February. We're, some of you have seen the flyers. We have a two-day couples event here at Glenville. And this is just our attempt as we're praying I need your prayer warriors to begin praying over this in advance. Uh, there's a $20 registration for every couple that wants to be a part of this. You do not have to be a member of Glenville. But we are praying that there will be no divorce in 2011. For those of you who are engaged, we are praying that you will start your marriage out on the right foundation. So engaged couples, seriously significant others, and married couples. We have a two-day event here, uh, February 11th and 12th. Uh, Ronnie Vanderhorst and his wife Janice will be coming here from Washington, D.C. You don't want to miss them. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And this is probably just what the doctor ordered for some of you. And so we encourage you to be there for that. All right, let's go to the scripture. Uh, and it's on the screen. Mark chapter 1, 9 through 13. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. What book did I say, everybody? What chapter? 9, 1 through 13. I wish I didn't have to do that, all that call and response stuff, but some of y'all, y'all just get bored so easily. I just have to keep you engaged. Well, let's do it. Mark 1, 9 through 13, and the scripture uh, reading will be read together in concert. Everybody said, the Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth, of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Let me just uh, point out to you that Nazareth was the ghetto. Uh, Jesus did not grow up in the suburbs. Jesus grew up in a rough part of town. And so he came, so it's possible, this ain't my sermon, but it just occurred to me, it's possible to come out of where you've come from and actually accomplish something in life. Come on, say amen. Don't matter. Some of us making excuses for where we've come from, what we've been through. Jesus is your example that you can make it. Somebody say hallelujah. You can make it. And was baptized by who, everybody? In the... And how quickly did it say? It said immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately. When did the Bible say, everybody? Immediately. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Drove him into the will. My God. First, he says, I love you. I'm pleased with you. And immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Uh, the title of our message today is Introducing Satan. Introducing Satan. Let's pray. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Most of you know by now the series that we're in is 
What did Jesus do? What is it, everybody? Uh, everybody 35 and under. What, what, what's, the, what's the theme? All right, and everybody 36 and up. What's the theme? What did Jesus do? Uh, we are asking this question. I have to tell you this simply because we kind of feel like we need to return to doing things basic, the, basic, the basics of Christianity, if you please. So we're studying the life and teachings of Jesus. Anybody ever seen those wristbands that said, what would Jesus do? You ever seen those before or heard about it? That's the wrong question to ask. To ask. We don't really want to know what would he do. Uh, that just leads it to chance. We feel like we can figure out from the Bible, from what everybody? From the Bible, what he did. What he did. Question, how many of you have been studying that which I have assigned? Has anybody gotten a chance to read the Gospels? You may not have read them all. Anybody read Matthew, Mark? Luke or John. How many have been blessed by that so far? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So today, I want to continue in this vein. Uh, we, we, we have, we've learned so far that, that the way to become like Jesus is to imitate him. The way to become like Jesus is to do what, everybody? Is to imitate him. How can you imitate somebody? Well, you imitate them by looking at them. Uh, there are some, some young people in the church who are already trying to imitate me. And they're doing it to insult me, but I love y'all in spite of that. Uh, they come to my house and then they pretend like they're me to, to make fun of me. But the only way you can imitate somebody is you actually have to look at them. Amen. You have got to study them. You've got to watch them. And so notice very easily. Anybody want to be like Jesus? How this, I'm just giving you very simple gospel truth. The way to become like Jesus is to watch him. How do you watch God? You watch him through the word. Now, I just gave you a message right there. How do you become like Jesus? You have to watch him. You've got to study him. The way you study him is you have to understand and read the word of God. People that struggle being Christians are generally people that do not spend a lot of time with their focus on spiritual things. They do not read the Bible. They do not pray. They do not involve themselves in witnessing. You cannot just come to church and have a good time and expect to turn into Jesus Jr. You can't do it. You actually got to put some effort into this thing. Somebody say effort. You actually have to get up and read and study and pray and fast and read and study and pray and fast and desire and get desperate and get hungry and fiend and get addicted to the word of God. You can't just become like Jesus by standing in a church. I told you before, you can, you can no more call yourself a Christian because you're in a church than you can call yourself a car if you stand in a garage. You've got, you've got to. Oh, God, I just, oh, this thing is really, I, please take seriously the reading of the word of God and, and just ask God. Some of you feel like I can't understand. I'm too young. I'm too old. I, I'm too tired. I'm too busy to study. Hear me now. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to be filled. You, you, please hear me today. You have got to put some effort forth. Right now, listen to me. Some of you right now are putting no effort forth. You're just showing up hoping something's going to happen. But ask God, God, speak to me. God, show me. God, reveal yourself. I want to be like you. 
And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, let's go now to the text because I, I promise I'm going to be try to be short and righteousness. Uh, emphasis on the word try. Uh, Mark chapter 1. Go back there. Mark the first chapter. Amen, everybody. Introducing Satan. Introducing Satan. We've been studying the deeds of Jesus. What, everybody? We've been studying the deeds of Jesus. And, 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 and when you study the deeds of Jesus, what Jesus did, you cannot separate what Jesus did from how Jesus thinks. The way that you become like Jesus, you've got to think like him. That's why the Bible says, write this text down. Philippians uh, chapter 2, read the whole chapter. Well, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Some of you have addictions and you're struggling with sin. You're struggling to, to think right thoughts. Lord have mercy. How many, how many of you have your mind attacked by the enemy? Where just all kind of crazy thoughts come into your mind. I mean, I mean, this is the first, this is the first citadel of, of, of violent attack of the enemy. If he can get in our head, if he can create, if he can create imaginary issues and problems. Oh, help me, help me God today. If he can get us to, to, to think pornographic, if he can get us to think negative, if he can get us to be angry and bitter, he says, I can affect the way they act. If I can get in their heads, hear me today. That's why we got to fill our minds with the word of God. You can't just watch religious television. You can't just put a gospel CD in and say, I'm spiritual. You got to actually get into the word of God and see and behold him. And, and, and so now the Bible says, as we're saying the deeds of Jesus, one of the first things Jesus did, we said last week was uh, Jesus motivation in life was his father. He did what he did to please who, everybody? Come on, hear me now. Hear me now. Some of y'all already, you, you lo I'm losing you already. Stay right here. Help him, Holy Ghost. Uh, the word of God teaches us that Jesus, everything he did, Dwayne, he did not to please people. He didn't, he didn't die just to save you. He died because he was obedient to his father. He died because he wanted his father to be happy. He wanted his father to look down and say, that's my son. I'm pleased with him. Everything Jesus did, he did to hear those words. I'm pleased with you. And so now, every step Jesus takes in the beginning of his life. Notice the scriptures. Go to Mark 1. Everything he does, he does deliberately. Somebody say deliberately. His steps were ordered. Every step he took, Sister it was a deliberate step. It was not haphazard decision. Uh, if Jesus were, was to date, even we know he did not date, Jesus would not date somebody that did not line up with the purpose that God had for him. Some of y'all are in relationships right now. You're in relationships right now. Oh, help me, Father. I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Some of you got friends right now, and they're not directing you towards your destiny. They're, they're not helping you get where God would have you to be. Some of you are hanging around church folk that are negative all the time. That always speak a word of doubt. And they, and they crush the plan that God has for your life. You got to get real prejudice with your friendships, your intimate friendships. When you are making a decision that you're going to go all the way with Christ. And so I, I got to get close to you tonight because I, I'm concerned that you get this word. So notice what, notice the first thing he does. The first thing he does, the Bible says, is he goes and he gets baptized. So you want to write this, you want to write this down. The first thing Jesus did 
was that he was baptized. What was he, everybody? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Baptism, write this down, is a lesson in submission. Baptism is a lesson in submission. In what, everybody? Now, let me explain. That's a big word for some people. What does it mean? And what does submission mean? What does it mean to submit? Submit essentially says to be under. To be under somebody. Everybody ought to be under somebody. When Jesus was a little boy, he submitted to his mother and father. Oh, let me just stay here for a minute. All my young folk up here in the balcony. Check me out real quick. Even if you got parents from hell. You got to still submit unto them. Let me tell you why. You will never learn how to submit to God unless you learn how to submit to your parents. I'm amazed at people who always want to be the head. They always want to be the lead. You can automatically tell somebody who has a problem with submission because they don't, they don't like being under. They like being old. They like being over and they, and they can never have anybody tell them. And, and by the way, let me talk to the married couples right now. In, Eph- in Ephesians 5 and verse 1, at that chapter that talks about marriage, all the married folks should know what I'm talking about. It, it talks about marriage. Husbands love your wives. And it says wives submit unto your husbands. But know now that the Bible says in the beginning of that chapter, it says submit unto one another. Husband has to submit unto wife. Wife has to submit unto husband. Y'all ain't nobody talking that. I can't hear no men saying amen in here. Life is about being under. See, Jesus says, it's not who's first that I'm impressed with. He says, it's who's last. He says, I give credit to the one that serves. I like the folk that get down low, that do the menial jobs, that are not looking to be seen, that are not looking to be praised. Do y'all understand what I'm saying in here? Let me make this clear. God was showing Jesus who is God. How to show us how to be like him. But notice, God had to submit unto humanity. My Lord. Oh, y'all, y'all missed that right there. God, if God can submit and get under, how come you can't? Baptism is a lesson in submission. What is it, everybody? When you get baptized, the Bible says that Jesus came to be baptized. Now, uh, forgive my imagination here. Watch all these people. Now, it was, his, it was a historical fact that Jews did not get baptized. Only people who converted from another religion to Judaism got baptized. But when John the Baptist came on the scene, homeboy was preaching with such power, even the Jews were getting baptized. Because his message was, you need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So I want you to see now, people, sinners, they're coming and they're being baptized by John. And somewhere in that crowd... Is Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I've baptized a whole lot of people. And there are some people who I've baptized that I, that I was humbled to baptize them. But can you imagine standing in the baptismal waters and, and your God shows up? <laughs> your creator shows up. I, I know John must have felt like in his heart, I mean, is he, coming to, is he coming to examine my methods? Is he coming to tell me how to do it the right way? And as John is baptizing, the last person has gotten baptized. And John is ready to take off now. And then Jesus steps up. I can imagine homeboy is a little nervous now. I mean, he's shaking in his boots. I mean, no now, Jesus can look through John and see all the stuff in his life. Jesus can look through John and see everything that he is and will be and was before he began to be in the first place. And John is overwhelmed by that thing. And Jesus said, baptize me. 
And John was like, I mean, the eloquent preacher, the preacher that was never short of words. All of a sudden, he, I, 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 I got to be baptized by you. You asked me to baptize you. And, he, and notice what Jesus' words said. Jesus' words were, if you look at it in Matthew, the uh, third chapter, the, four, the third chapter, he's the fourth chapter. He says, let this be done to fulfill all righteousness. So when somebody is baptized, they're, bap- they're getting baptized to be obedient. Now, this is a spiritual warfare sermon. So if I can use military language, baptism is basic training. Now, I, I was watching the other day on the uh, military channel. I, lo- I love that. I love that military channel. Yeah, in, in my younger days, uh, I'm still young, Amen. When I was younger, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL, you know. I loved uh, CIA and espionage. I love that stuff. Matter of fact, I had an internship with the CIA and God blocked it. I got a family member that's in the CIA. I can't tell you where she is right now. She had set up and she had set up an internship for me at Langley. All I know is that I didn't get it. I don't know how. She said it was guaranteed. I was in. God said, that's not where you're going. But I'm fascinated by that stuff. I love spies. I love James Bond. I told you all that stuff. I love, I love, the, I love, the, I love the seals. I like how they can, I just love all that stuff. And I was watching the other day how, how the Navy seals prepare and how they train. I mean, it's like three years of training. Three years. I actually got a friend of mine who was somebody that had been his minister. He's a chaplain and he went through Navy seal training so he could be a chaplain to Navy seals. And he was telling me about the training. It's fucking ridiculous. But you know what they teach you in basic training? Catch this now. Baptism is a lesson in submission. You know what basic training is all about? It's only to teach you one thing. How to obey orders. The Navy SEALs, they take you to a point of total exhaustion. And then they, and then they, spew, out, they spew out orders to you, knowing that you can't barely understand. Why do they do that? Because they want you to be able to follow orders. That's second nature. Oh, I can't get the, Oh, hear this right now. No matter how tired you are, no matter how weak your flesh is, no matter if you've run 25 miles with over 100 pounds of body armor on, uh, when I speak out orders to you, I just want your reflex to obey. And so when we are baptized, we are saying that we want to have the reflex of obedience. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do that. Wherever he tells me to go, I'm going to do that. I want to get to a point. Somebody needs to hear this today. I want to get to a point, anybody with the pastor today, where you just obey. Second thing, and as I'm moving here, the second thing we learn uh, about Jesus in his early life is the Bible then says, look there at the text in, in Mark 1. Let's go back to the text. Let's, let's look at the next thing that happened there. Mark the first chapter. The Bible tells us that Jesus went to be baptized. And then we look and see here, what happens? The Bible says, notice now, verse 9. If you're there, let me hear you say amen. amen. It says, and at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by who, everybody? In the Jordan. Now, next point. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. So Jesus was baptized And then Luke says he was filled with the spirit. Many of us have been baptized, but we've never been filled with the spirit. Spirit, notice now, you got to learn to submit. See, the training, watch this now. You will never 
embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life until you learn the lesson of obedience and submission. Because the very nature of the Holy Spirit is to remove all your control, all your controlling elements in your life. Let me explain. When the Spirit of God comes in your life, you are no longer in charge of your life. And so watch this now. The Bible says that he is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit pours himself on him. You have got, you have, you can't just be a, bi, a baptismal candidate. Many of you have been baptized, but you have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you are no more a Christian than you were before you got baptized. Spirit baptism tells me that I, oh, thank you, Lord, that, that, my, that now my life is driven by the Spirit. That's why Galatians says, keep in step with the Spirit, because the Spirit is a pushing factor. The Spirit drives you. The Spirit leads your life. But most of us are not driven by the Spirit. We are driven by our flesh. Don't have time. He's filled with the spirit. Then what happens? The Bible says, after he's filled with the spirit, then Jesus father says to him, that's my son. I'm pleased with you. So Nikki, check this out. God is not pleased with you. If the spirit of God is not in total control of your life. He wasn't just happy because he got baptized. He waited until after he was full of the spirit for him to say, I'm pleased with you now. How do we please God? By inviting the Holy Spirit to take reign and full charge of our lives. Now, let me show you why all this is important. So the first, baptism is a lesson in obedience. It's a lesson in what, everybody? And then uh, the Holy Spirit is a lesson in surrender. Uh, Let me just ask you a question. How many know it's hard to surrender? (laughs) That's it right there. I mean, really? I'm going to be honest today because some of you are too afraid to be. I'm afraid to surrender. If my life were this, were this cloth here, this is how I deal with my life. I'm holding on because I'm saying I think I know what I'm doing with my life. And I want to have fun and I want to be happy. And I feel if I let, if I let go, then I won't be happy anymore. Then, 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 then I just, I can't let go. And so we get to a place where, where, where at first we're like this. And then we hear a good sermon and, and then we let a little bit go. And then, and then we hear a song and we let a little bit go. And then the Holy Spirit comes directly to us and says, let go. And then we're hanging on by a thread. But guess what? There's no difference between this and this. Because you still have not let go. Now, let me show you why all this is significant. As we get ready to close this thing out. The Bible says that after that, Mark 1 and verse 9, says at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse 11 And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. So watch this now. He was baptized, he was filled with the Spirit, 
God was pleased with him. And then watch what happens in verse 12. At once, the spirit drove him into the desert. Anybody catch that? Introducing Satan. You know, after we have baptismal, let's have a celebration. You know, folks are getting the right hand of fellowship. You know, they've been baptized. Everybody's happy. Man, you're on your way now. God's going to bless you real good, man. You're baptized now. Yeah. How many have been baptized? Raise your hand. How many of you have been baptized? I introduce to you Satan. That's the problem is some of y'all have been baptized so long, you done forgot what he looks like. And you don't know when to discern when he is present. Okay, so watch this now. The, I love how Mark says it. Mark is the action. Those of you who are wanting to understand more about the life of Christ, I would suggest to you, start with Mark. Mark, Mark is the shorter of the Gospels, and Mark is an, it's about action. It shows the deeds of Jesus. Now watch this now. Jesus gets baptized. The Spirit pours on him, and, and his father says, my son, I'm pleased. And when the Spirit comes in him, the Bible says the Spirit drives him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if you will just hold on for about 10 minutes, I will be finished. And I will not take any more of your time. He has one of the most exciting moments of his spiritual life to happen. And the next thing, the Greek word for driveth is a violent terminology. It was as if the spirit within him pushed him, not against his will, but it was now. In other words, now that Jesus had allowed the spirit, follow me now. Now that the spirit of God was in charge of his life, he had to be subject, surrendered unto the direction that the spirit was leading in his life. See, don't even worry about it, man. Just go ahead and preach. I'm concerned that some of you are not getting what I'm saying. Most of us have taken step one and thinking we've taken step two, we got the spirit, but our lives show us that instead of going into combat, instead of going into warfare, we are now cool with the devil. Now, nobody in this house will ever say that. Who will admit that they're friends with the devil? He that is with me. Come on, somebody. You, if you're going to be with him, you got to be against him. Notice what Jesus is teaching us now. That the Christian life is about warfare. You, you, I, can't, I can't explain it any more than this. Help me, God. Being a Christian is war. I don't, let's be honest. Every day, I don't see myself in a war. Come on, we don't think like that all the time. We don't wake up in the morning and think that we're at war. Brothers and sisters, hear me now. What you can't see is more real than what you can see. 
There are demons of various rank and file that are in this building right now. When you wake up in the morning, the enemy hadn't, he hadn't slept. He didn't need any sleep. Come on in here, somebody. Please get this word today. See, some of y'all in here are playing games with God. And you don't even realize that all around you, there is warfare going on. This thing sobers me now. That's why I can't let my children watch everything on television. That's why I got to wake up sometimes in the midnight hour and lay hands on my children and say, protect them from dangers, seen and unseen. You're not just in school, but you're in a school where the devil is trying to kill you every breathing second of your life. Do you realize that you have an enemy that's trying to destroy you every blinking moment? The only reason right now why I have not fallen dead in the pulpit is because I've got angels. Now what amazes me is the mercy of God. I'm going to read the text and I'm done. Think now of the invisible world. Some of you have watched movies like The Matrix and some of these other things. You're impressed by that. That doesn't that, that cannot even shake a stick on what is happening beyond what we can see. Right. The sirens that are going down the street. Right now, an enemy hath done that. If you keep playing with the devil, he is going to consume you sooner or later. I'm not trying to scare anybody today. I'm just telling you the God's honest truth. Whatever, I, I, I've got a pastor with a, with a combat attitude. The Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, see all that preparatory stuff, getting baptized, being submitted to his father and being filled with the Holy Spirit was necessary. Hear me! Was necessary because he was about to begin a life of war. Have you ever noticed when you read the Gospels, when Jesus shows up, if you read the Old Testament, there's not much demonic activity visibly. But as soon as Jesus shows up on the screen, on the scene, there's demons everywhere. Folk possess. You know why? Because, oh, hear me now. When the presence of God is in you, it evokes a, com a combat and warfare response from the devil. We think that when we get baptized, when we get married, when we graduate from high school, when we get a new car, I'm telling you, any good thing that ever happens to you is a declaration of war against the devil. Y'all, y'all just missed that. Lord, I, I just got to go. I just got to go with it. I have to, I just have to go on. I have to go on. I have to go on. So a couple points I want to make here. Four points I want to make because I'm preaching shorter now. Four points. If I give you too much, you're not going to study yourself. Y'all go study. Number one. Oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. Let me go. Okay. Okay. Here it is. Ephesians 6. Explains the kind of life you live. And see, that's why being an American 
you know, just being real comfortable and, you know, just kind of doing what we're doing, you know. We don't got no worries. Come on, y'all. Ain't no worries. Some of y'all offended by that because all hell's broken loose in your life. For real, though, get on a plane and go to some place for real where they can't even come up in buildings like this and have church. Up here complaining because you don't got nothing to wear. Listen, you wear jeans. I don't, I, you wear whatever you want. I don't care. There are places where they don't have no clothes and, and, and people are looking to kill them every day just to worship God. You make it a big deal. Hey, they ain't lift, they ain't, the standard is not being held. I can't find that. Shut up. This is war. And the kind of clothes that matter in this war are not the kind of clothes you put on. The kind of clothes that matter in this war are spiritual armor. Well, look what the word of God says. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in what, everybody? Power of his might. I'm trying to put into perspective your life. Your life is war. Things are not just happening because they're happening. You don't fall asleep in church just because you're tired. There's a devil that's putting you to sleep. You and when you, there's a reason why when your alarm clock gets up and wakes you up in the morning and you convince yourself, I'm not going to get up today. Oh, just a few more minutes. That ain't, that's the devil trying to keep you from seeking God because you don't know what could happen to you that day. Can you imagine if Jesus was not filled with the spirit when he went out by himself in the wilderness with the devil? And listen now, don't just think the devil was out there in the wilderness. Jesus was by himself, and I believe that Satan and every single demon that exists was in that wilderness. But watch this now. You got Satan in one corner, and he's got his best game. He's got his best gloves on. He's got, he brought all, he pulled out all the stops. He's got all his demons. They're armored in all their rank and file, and they disguise themselves, and the enemy is out there. Jesus is by himself in another corner, though. His father is not with him. The Holy Spirit is only in him. And notice now, he's at the weakest point of his life. Y'all missing this. Jesus at his weakest. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. He fasted. Notice what Jesus is doing. He said, I'm going to take myself down to the weakest possible place I can be. And I'm going to still beat you. Finally, watch this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Against what? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's it. That's all I'm going to read. And this is the problem with you church people. With you. That's right. I'm accusatory today. This is the problem with you. Y'all mad at everybody? Mean to everybody? Think everybody's against you. Think you, there is no such thing as a human enemy. The Bible does not even teach that. That's why it's so sinful when there is division in the body of Christ. When folks got at, when folks are mad at this one and, and, and they're tired of that one and they're done with that one. That is so demonic. That is the spirit of Satan himself because Satan is, what he's doing is, is trying to disguise himself with somebody else. The problem is Satan. That's your enemy. 
Oh, God, help me today. You only have had one enemy in your life. You don't have any human enemies. You've never had an enemy that you can see. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, Lord, and mercy, and powers. Second Corinthians 10 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the point down of strongholds. I don't have time to preach this today. Lord, I don't have time. Let me close this thing out. Number one, how do you know the enemy? Introducing Satan. First is, knowing your enemy keeps you focused on your mission. When you realize who you're fighting against, then you can remain focused on what you're about. What are we about? Kicking the devil's butt. How do we do that? By bringing glory to God. How do we bring glory to God? By our good works. How do we bring glory to God? By making disciples. How do we bring glory to God? By reaching the lost. That's why there's all kind of hell going on in the body right now. And don't think I don't know about it. And nobody told me. The Lord told me. There's these seasons in my ministry where the Lord will just make me real uncomfortable with what's going on. And I just get real antsy, and I just go into prayer mode. Because see, when, when good things happen, here comes the devil. Some of y'all got baptized, and all hell broke loose in your life. Some of you recommitted, some of you took communion, some of you said, I'm sorry, some of you repented, and you're right back where you started, because the devil said, ah, oh, for real, oh, you, oh, you want to fight now, huh? Oh, you, oh, you think you bad now, oh, oh, you think you know Jesus, well, come on then, and then he unleashes his fury against you, but because you're such in a habit of fighting spirit with flesh, you get annihilated by him. And listen, all, all my young people, look dead at me right now. That's why you cannot wait until you are older to be spirit, seriously spiritual. You're going to learn how to pray and fast now. Now, oh, please hear this. Hear me, y'all. Look, I'm getting... The devil is playing for keeps. He's trying to kill y'all now. He wants to take your mind now. He wants you all sexed up. He wants you all drugged up. He wants you to be disinterested in church. This is not by accident. Church is not boring. That's the devil. He, will, he just wants your focus all over the place. Uh, number two. Knowing your enemy determines how you fight. Now, if, if one of y'all come and put your hands on my wife. I know who my enemy is for a minute. Come on, say amen. <laughs> now, now you, somebody said, you're contradicting yourself. Uh, but listen, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Hear me now. Act, act a fool if you want to. Come on, say amen. I remember one time I was at a church, and we, we had brought the drums in the church. And one of the elders was not happy about that. And so he said, well, who gave you permission to bring them drums in? I said, I know we had to vote to bring instruments in. Who gave y'all permission to bring in the trumpet last week? Oh, he was mad. Now, he did this in front of everybody, but I'm just giving you an illustration. Uh, there's some stuff you shouldn't, you know, have to deal with. All right. So uh, my wife 
saw what was going on. This is in front of the whole church board. He's trying to, trying to go at it with me. And so then I said, listen, it's probably best we talk about this later. He grabs my arm and said, no, you're going to deal with this now. Shanae, full of the Holy Spirit. Man, I, all I saw was the crowd open up like the Red Sea. There was fire in her eyes. <laughs> My Lord. And she walked through and, and, and gave him the look of God and grabbed me and took me. I mean, listen, we wasn't going to get no fight, but you wasn't about to sit up there and just touch all over my husband like that. This is how God is with us. You don't have to fight your own battles. I didn't need to get into it with this guy. I, because, see, God, he says, this battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. How do, see, if you know who your enemy, my enemy was not him. That was the devil trying to destroy God's church. If I thought he was my enemy, then we'd, we'd have went blow to blow right there. I ain't no punk, so don't even think twice about it. Hey, listen, I might lose. I might lose, but I will get mine. I am not going to, no, no, no. Hey, but guess what? That's the old man. The new man says, you don't got to fight stuff yourself. See, some of us are so interested in our reputation and whether we got dissed or whether we got humiliated that we got to stand up for ourselves. My wife taught me a lesson. The lesson is walk away. I'll fight your battles. And that's what God does. Some of y'all are fighting too much. And you're getting your rump handed to you. So how do Christians fight? Jesus shows us, and I'll show us next week in the text. Prayer, fasting, the word, worship. That's how you defeat the enemy, amen? Number three, uh, 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 I'm sorry, number three here. Knowing your enemy distinguishes your allies from your adversaries. Again, this goes back to that same thing that many of us are viewing what really are our allies as our enemies. Your enemy is, the, is, is Satan himself. Number four, knowing your enemy is a dead giveaway that you have the victory. Now, let's close this thing out. If you come to realize that Satan is the problem, then you must automatically know that you've already won. Y'all missed that. If the devil is the problem, amen? If he's your enemy, then you ought to, be, you ought to start shouting right now. You still ain't getting this thing. I'm talking about not somebody who will lose. I'm talking about somebody who's already lost. <laughs> y'all, y'all, come on, come on. Some of you ought to be on your feet right now. Some of you need to plant your feet on this red carpet and put your hands in the air and bless his name. Because what I have just told you is, is that uh, there's no need to fight. There's no need to, to try to, to handle this yourself because Jesus has already beat the devil. My Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror, <laughs> which is to say that I'm not just a winner. 
I've been a winner. I was born a winner. It's already over. Even these battles I'm fighting, this battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. But many of us have not taken hold of the victory. And some of you are struggling now because the devil is hitting you with everything he's got. But he can hit you all he wants. Your God will not keep silent. Your God will not let him win. Your God has promised that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Your God has promised no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Listen, I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm just telling you somebody ought to praise him right now because you already know you got the victory. So what, devil? <laughs> We're not scared. We're not going to allow you to put us in fear. We're not going to allow you to beat us into submission. Because we know that our God is mighty to save. He's a mighty God in battle. Who is this king of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty? Is there anybody here today that knows you've already got the victory?